Welcome to Mental Awareness Discussion, the MAD Podcast, with Miles Weber, Heather Weber, and Susan Thompson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the MAD Podcast, the Mental Awareness Discussion, brought to you by Broken Drift Productions and Banana Bros. Follow them on the social media at Broken Drift Productions and at AZ Banana Bros for all your cool content and cool swag, and follow the Broken Drift Productions YouTube channel for cool content, much like what you're watching and listening to right now. My name is Miles Weber. I will be your host for today's podcast. With me, as always, is my co-host in this podcast and my co-host in life, my wife, Heather Weber. Hello, dear. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. It is a pleasure to be in the room down the hall from you. And I know. Joining us today, our friend, comedian, and overround good person. We have uh, also going to be on AGT. Well, tonight, but we're filming this now. Uh, but if this this is in the future, so she has been on America's Got Talent Extreme. Extreme. Uh, Susan Thompson. Susan, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? We're fantastic. Thank you for asking. We're excited to see you tonight. I think you can stream it on Peacock, though, right? That's a thing. Yeah, it's you, on yeah. Peacock and Hulu, so you can watch yeah, yeah. it. Watch it. Watch it. It's watchable. Like, you have no excuse. And it's probably <laughs> going to be on the internet, too, in some regards. So, but I mean, since it's the future right now, you killed it. You did it great. And it's dead now. Congratulations. <laughs> um, joining us today, we're very excited. It's a good friend of mine. known her for a little while. We got to work together on some cool projects back in the day. She is an actress. She is a director. She's done pageants. She's a model. She does it all. And she's going to tell us about doing it all and the mental health aspect of doing it all. We have Dania Denise. Dania, how are you doing? Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming today. Uh, Super excited to be here. I love everything that you guys have been doing. We have known each other for a while and to just watch the trajectory has just been phenomenal, my friend. So happy for you guys. Thank you. And we're so happy for you too. It's really cool when you work with people who you really gel with and they're motivating and you're motivating and then you're both just like, and then you check in every time you're just like, oh, you're killing it. No, you're killing it. And you were one of those people that we know who is constantly in a state of killing it, but you do sometimes sleep. So why don't you let folks know uh, a little bit about who you are, what you do, what got you into everything that you do and just take us on that journey and we'll kind of go from there. All right. Back in the day, when I was 15, I got a flyer in the mail that was like, do you want to be an actor and a model and be famous? And I was like, yeah, come to this open call, bring your parents. And my mom and dad were like, all right, cool. Sent a digital, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Got into the acting and the modeling. Wasn't, it wasn't like a childhood dream. It just seemed like something fun. I was always creative, always making fun of things and imitating people and theatrical. So uh, just got right into the industry, started learning the ropes way before the internet and social media. Just did it because it was something I was passionate about. I was pretty good at it. So I was like, all right, let's stick with this. Fast forward 20, almost 25 years later. And I just continued to fall more in love with the industry and just the broad range of things you could do. So I was like, okay, I'm going to act. Cool. Model. Gotcha. Uh, got into pageantry, which was kind of like an offshoot of that. And I was like, that's sparkly and cool. Let's do that too. Threw that on there. And then um, after I got out of college and just really started being an entrepreneur and getting sick of being chewed up by corporate America and realizing I don't belong in a box. And the Great Recession was the greatest gift it gave me, which was the confidence to say, hey, people know I do stuff. I also do art. I had an art business. I was doing murals and children's book illustrations and just being artsy fartsy. And I said, if I can survive a recession doing this full time, then I'll know I'm where I'm meant to be. And then fast forward, I'm still standing. It hasn't always been easy. Um, I live outside of the box for a living and 
there's nowhere else I'd rather be. And then adding the hats of uh, director and writer, producer, editor, I started to learn the different lanes in filmmaking, especially with indie filmmaking, where you're just doing it on your own with people who also want to just do what they love. And usually the pocketbooks are pretty empty. And so all you have is your creativity and your passion and your friendships. So um, I just hit the ground running with that, created my production company. It'll be a year in April already. And I'm just like floored. So I just keep learning and growing and staying in the lanes that I know I'm good in and then tossing it to the people that I trust, which is a short list of the stuff that I've yet to master or that I just don't have the bandwidth. And uh, yeah, I'm just trying to take over the world one project at a time. Hell yeah. And it's, that's exactly what you're doing. It's, it's, it's been cool to watch the layered journey, but also just see people don't have to be a one trick pony, you know, like you put you, you learn this skill and then you develop that and you're like, Oh, I could do this too. And then you develop that. And then it's fascinating that you're like, Oh, pageantry was kind of the offshoot. And that was off the beaten path because there was a lot, I we watched you put a lot of energy into yeah. pageantry and like helping women, uh, kind of navigate how to get into pageants, navigating, like being in the pageants and everything and just running them. And so it seemed mm -hmm. like anybody on the outside looking in would go, that was such a dominant part of your life for a while. And you're like, that was, was the side piece like yeah. <laughs> so so yeah so like let's start with first of all it's so funny that you got a flyer in the mail and it's like i guess that'll be my life can i please do this yeah, exactly <laughs> that's an effective flyer right there that's <laughs> That marketing campaign had it going on. They were on point. Goodness gracious, it's easy. Uh, so yeah, so you get into that world. Is there a point where you start to notice that in this industry, um, there might be a couple of hiccups or setbacks in the fact that you happen to be a vagina owner? Oh yeah, it was a whole situation. I mean, you hear, things about the casting couch and you know like there's only really one way to kind of get ahead and granted I started when I was a teenager and it was so ironic because I took you know training and stuff uh, initially through the program that I had enrolled in that my parents let me do mm -hmm. and the first thing they said you got to learn to sell yourself and I was like that sounds weird and so it's like I understood the context they were talking about but it just that is part of the marketing is you're selling yourself Mm. And some people take that really literally and other people understand what it really means. So um, just the concept that you basically have to prostitute yourself to clients, mm. to agents, to, you know, you have to audition to get an agent to be interested in signing you. So you're always putting yourself out there. And then as I got older and started working with different photographers and certain clients and meeting people, it's a very comfortable industry. Everyone is very open and very friendly and flirtatious and there aren't really boundaries and it took a lot of trial and error sometimes to understand the trust that I was putting and misplacing in some circumstances a lot of pitfalls and things that that I was a part of simply because I was a female and I was attractive and I was in this industry where okay you understand that and you're entering this knowing that things are probably going to happen or opportunities will be presented to you. So it was almost like you shouldn't complain because you knew what you're getting into as if that was okay. So 
yeah, it, it, that happened pretty quickly. And also being talked at because they acted like I didn't know what I was doing and they were doing me a favor because they brought me onto the job. There was, there was a lot of that for sure. For sure. Oh yeah. That's, that's definitely an old standby. Just like, you know, the, you should be grateful that you're even here. And it's like, homie, this is how the world works. Like, then we should just be grateful that we're anywhere. Like, is this, is, is, is there someone who is entitled to every single step I take and every thought I have? Like, so yeah, that's just always some dumb shit that has irritates me when that happens, man. Um, okay. So like, how do you navigate that? Like, I mean, you, you have your first run in with that. What's the, do you kind of step back and reevaluate things? Do you talk to anybody? Were there women in the industry who were kind of like, Oh yeah, girl, let me bend your ear about how things are going to be. Like, was there any guidance with all of this? You know, because I got in such a long time ago where the playing it's like the same shit different toilet paper you know Mm. stuff is still happening then that was happening now but we didn't have the dialogue that we have today we didn't have the platforms that we had today we didn't have whistleblowers we did but it was different so you didn't really have women congregating and going oh my god this you know photographer like wasn't appropriate with me or oh this whatever whatever um you kind of vented to your friends, but if they weren't in the industry, they also didn't quite understand. So it was a little isolating. I've always been very strong and independent and have never luckily been that person to just completely do whatever it took to make it. But there were times where I had to just toughen up and and tell a photographer like, hey, I'm actually not comfortable with that. Or like, oh, this is cute. Okay, you kissed me. Wow. Okay. Um, I don't think this is okay. And and being okay with the fallout, because there usually was fallout, or I've gotten lucky where because I always led with the professional foot, I wasn't the starry-eyed model actress who was like, Oh my god, I'm so excited to be here and like just let me know what I need to do. I came in, you know, early is on time, on time is late, and late you're fired. I always returned, you know, messages right away and was very professional on how I spoke to them. I wasn't getting super familiar and comfortable. So I kind of maintained that boundary. And then if I felt like, okay, they're cool, they're genuine, they're not creepy, then we can actually have a friendship in addition to a working relationship. But if they're crushing and if they're heavily flirting and I politely kind of flirt back just to kind of keep it from being weird, I'll kind of try to cut that off after a while. Um, I've been fortunate. I haven't really run into any situations where I was assaulted or anything like that. Um, I did have photos that were misrepresented Mm -hmm. and it actually affected one of the pageants, which was one of the bigger pageants I spent a lot of money on. And I actually went and filed like a civil suit because I was new to all that. I was like, I I need to do something like you, this is not okay. We did this photo shoot. You made me feel awkward. Like I, I, wasn't naked or anything, but I was not comfortable. Mm -hmm. There were other models there and other photographers. It was like kind of that situation. And they didn't tell me at the time that the photos, I knew they would appear on this one particular website. They did not tell me that they were also going to put it on another website that they had acquired that when you Googled it, it said um, the collection of the hottest like nude import models. And I was like, whoa, Mm -hmm. first of all, I'm not naked on there. Um, Second of all, I didn't, I don't remember signing anything. So it was just a shit show. And I was super panicked because I saw the photos and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in a pageant. I'm about to go to Southern California. They Google you, you know, and 
I'm literally just going to be wasting money because if this gets spun a certain way or because you see it all the time, you know, photos get leaked or whatever. So I was in full panic mode and I tried to contact them and I couldn't reach anybody. It was like this faceless company. It was so weird. I couldn't contact anybody all of a sudden. And so I contacted the pageant organization and I let them know. I said, hey, I did a photo shoot and they misrepresented, you know, the photos or where they're going to appear. Nothing's inappropriate. I said, but I I just want to be transparent because I don't know where this is going to go. And they were super understanding about it. Um, And I won't claim that that had anything to do with the result. I didn't even make the top 15. So I was, I was like, okay, whether it was because of that or not is neither here nor there. But I was like, let me just take the high road and just out myself and just say that it's an unfortunate situation. But I filed the civil suit, um, couldn't get anyone to serve. I couldn't get, I had them serve the papers, but they had dodged and they apparently, this happened before because they couldn't serve the papers. They couldn't find anybody to properly serve the papers to. So every year for like three years, I just kept renewing the, the suit to let them know, like, I may not get you, but I haven't forgotten about what you did. And that was just so disrespectful and so dishonest. Um, so that was probably the biggest, earliest kind of scandalous thing that I had to deal with as a model. And um, needless to say, I was very put off by the import modeling scene at the time, because being a shorter model, you know, I'm not going to be on the runways. I was like, oh, import modeling seems fun and it's like sexy, but I can still kind of control how much I want to like show or the types of shoots I wanted to do. It just put a bad taste in my mouth. And I was like, you know what? I'm just, and it's not to put down any of the models that are in that industry. I will never speak or judge everyone else's hustle um, because there are many, many successful models in that world. I tried to break into it. I put my stock in the wrong people and I got burned and I'm good. So when I kind of realized, you know what, screw that. I can't keep trying to force myself into these situations to try to be this thing. I'm just going to do my own thing and the right people will see what I'm doing and they'll come to me. And that's kind of what happened. So ever since then, I just, I never went to other people and just put it all out there to be like, use me. It was like, no, this is what I'm doing. If you like it, here's how you can contact me and let's work together. So. Uh, yeah, my next question was going to be what kept you coming back to modeling, but that makes sense just to do your own thing and let people come to you. Yeah. And by that time I had been in 2007, I had started my modeling blog, which is uh, modeling 101 and models diary. And that's, and I started that because I was really tired of being on forums that had like modeling sections and you have people on there, you know, girls, usually teenagers, you know, can I be a model if I'm this, this, and this? And people like, no, you're too sharp. You're fat. Yeah. You have to look like that. And I was like, oh no, the hell you don't. And, <laughs> and I was like exhausted by having to answer the same questions. So I was like, let me do this blog thing and learn how to do that. And then it just grew into this platform and a resource where I was starting to coach and, and guide, you know, models of different backgrounds, guys and girls, and just informing that that you have options. Yes, it's mm-hmm. cool to think about being a Victoria's Secret model or being in Milan on a runway, but you know what? There's print models and magazine models and lifestyle models and real people models and, and plus size models. Like, there's, these, there's this whole world of modeling that's available that you can place yourself in where you belong, where you don't feel like you're sticking out and where agencies and clients want you. And so uh, 
by extension of me continuing my own modeling career and just kind of doing my own thing, I also wanted to show people what their options were and present it in a way where they could relate to me because I'm not this untouchable person. I'm not a millionaire, but I love what I do. And I want other people to know that feeling if this is a path that's meant for them, or if it's not meant for them, tell them that that's okay. It is not the end of the world. So that just kind of was really important to me to, was to continue to give back and create this dialogue where we could really just say what it takes to be a model and, and still be true to yourself and not have to sell out. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> as far as mental health goes, before you started doing your own thing and you were working with, you know, professionals and unprofessionals, um, how did you guard your, you know, mental health point of view? Like how, what did you do to kind of like, keep everybody from getting to you. And especially, yeah, when you're around, you know, creepy guys and <laughs> stuff like that, uh, it's yeah. really important to kind of guard that. So what kept, what did you do to keep going and kind of protect yourself in that way? Yeah. How did you center yourself? You know? Yeah. <laughs> A great question because truth be told, I have always struggled with mental health issues uh, with depression, suicidal thoughts since I was in middle school. So I was always, held to a high standard by my parents, you know, school is your life. You get straight A's. Um, I used to get grounded for getting B minuses because they were close to C's on a progress report. Like the bar was always high and I always excelled academically. And when I didn't, I was very emotionally and mentally self-destructive and had a great group of best friends, many of whom I'm still friends with to this day. And we all struggled with depression and we all had our family issues, our own demons. So I had a support system where I had really good friends who weren't toxic and who weren't trying to indulge me in behavior that I didn't agree with. I've always, you know, I didn't smoke. I still have, I've never smoked a cigarette. I never smoked weed. I didn't really drink until like late teens I just wasn't that kid but I was always around the people that did that and I just was always like I'm gonna do my homework and like oh you just threw up that's not cute so I was not sheltered but I just always knew that wasn't how I wanted to indulge in my pain so I wrote I read books I did my artwork I threw myself into the projects that I cared about and I knew that that was really valuable because so many people do go to the vices in order to just exercise those demons. But for me, I think what ended up working against me, even though I had these positive outlets, is I wasn't in therapy. My parents didn't think I maybe needed it at the time. They were like, you're so young and you're doing fine. Like, you're good. Like, what are you doing? That's for crazy people. And my mom worked at a mental hospital, which was ironic. And even she was just like, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I guess if I'm not talking to inanimate objects. I guess I just don't need a therapist. So I kept a lot of it inside. I wrote a lot of poetry and um, sometimes would just be in a dark place and then put on a smile and just go into the motions of being a good student, being a good daughter, being a best friend. And um, it wasn't until pretty recently in life that I realized how self-destructive keeping that inside really was to me because I couldn't understand why I, why depression would hit me so hard. And I didn't understand <clears throat> why when something bad happened in my life or a relationship fell through or whatever, why I would seem to take it so far into the emotional 
depth of things that the, the suicidal thoughts and stuff, I just was like, I don't think that's normal, but like, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't kill myself. And so it really wasn't until recently that I realized I've been dealing with that my whole life. And, and I'm just now coming to terms with being healthy and speaking about it. Um, I really only started actually sharing that publicly last September when I did a video on my Instagram to acknowledge uh, suicidal awareness and prevention month. And I didn't plan it. I just, something in my heart just told me after everything I've been through, it could only help to just tell people that nothing is ever perfect. Perfect doesn't exist. And I've been struggling with, with those thoughts and those demons, you know, my whole life. And it's not the thing I'm ashamed of. And uh, so, yeah, it, it hasn't been easy, but I just, I don't know, like I just tucked it away and just pushed through and just pretended for a really long time until I realized that it just, it was just killing me literally. Man. That makes sense. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. You, Cause um, you helped oh. go ahead. Oh, how did you, cause I know you helped guide uh, women in pageantry. How, uh, cause I'm sure the, the pressure of being perfect uh, it, in general in life is hard, but what we put on pageantry is insane. Um, so how do you help guide women with their, you know, with their mental health and the pressure to be perfect in that area? Yeah, well, I was fortunate that I think about maybe seven years ago now, I got a therapist and leveled up with my mental health. And she has been my ride or die since she knows my family dynamics. She has been there through every trauma I've been through. And she helped me get to that understanding of myself as a woman, especially uh, the things that I just will not tolerate and won't accept in my life. And once I started connecting with women and coaching them through pageantry and realizing how many of them were terrified, you know, a lot of them do pageants because they're shy and they want to get outside of the comfort zone. And other ones have just thought it seems fun. And I just want to see what I could do with it. Or others come from a place of service because pageantry has a huge community service and volunteerism aspect to it that a lot of people tend to overlook because it's not really what you see on stage, which is what everyone pays attention to. But I had women who, you know, said I started a nonprofit or I volunteer and I do this, or I give back to my community and I want to do that on a bigger scale. I want to help more people, or I've dealt with this issue. And I think it should be a nationwide issue that we should be talking about. And that really resonated with me because it gives me so much more respect for the women that compete in pageants. We get a bad rap as with anything, people have stereotypes and, and some of them stem from a kernel of truth. But once I started actively coaching, I realized that they didn't just need somebody to help them navigate the particular pageant, but how to navigate their femininity in this vehicle of pageantry, knowing what your brand is, understanding what matters to you. Some of them had never had a platform before, which is the cause or organization that you support that you would end up promoting. If you were to win, you promote that platform for a year. So it was talking to them and realizing what mattered to them, what were their experiences. And when I do my consultations, because I always do a free consultation first to see if we'd even be a good fit. And so that they can understand how I operate. Um, I let them know that I'm not a certified life coach, but I've lived life and I've seen all aspects of it. And I'm an empath, never realized I was until really late in life. And I was like, gosh, empaths are so amazing. I wish I, I was one the entire time. And I was like, that's why I feel 
so deeply when I connect with people, you know, they can start crying and I'm just like, oh no, like, here we go. I literally am feeling everything. So I wanted to use that as a gift because it was a burden for so long that I didn't understand that type of connection with another person. But now that I did, I wanted to uplift women and show them that it's okay to have fun and be silly. You don't have to be super serious as a competition. And the greatest thing that I was seeing was the confidence literally happening in front of my eyes. We do, you know, an interview session and they'd be nailing their interview answers and I'm praising them, you know, positive affirmation. I'm not going to tell them they suck at something. I'm not going to say something's good enough if it's not. You know, I'm still tough as a coach, but I also let them know what they're doing really, really well and what we can kind of polish up on. But I also go a bit deeper and I let them know that everyone has a bad day. Things happen that are out of our control and we can't always fake it. And we always, we shouldn't have to. So if we have a Zoom session scheduled and something happens and you're just done with the world, let me know and just say, hey. I'm sorry, I'm just not in it right now. Can we please reschedule? Because if you're distracted, there's nothing I can do for you. Nothing that I'm going to give you right now during this time is going to sink in and you are not going to be engaged with me. And I would much rather have you at your best and focused. And if you need to talk, you don't have to tell me all your business, but if you just need that person, I can be that person. It doesn't always have to be about pageants. So whenever we do sessions, I always check in. Hey, how's it going? What's new? What's going on? good, bad, ugly, otherwise. So once they realize that there's that human aspect of it, it's not just, oh, I want to try to win this pageant. It's, oh, I have somebody here who's my champion, who's my cheerleader, who's my advocate, who's actually telling me it's okay to be human. How can I create this pageant version of myself without losing who I actually am? And so that's been really phenomenal. So even though I'm not running my own pageant anymore, I am still actively coaching. So it allows me to still connect and have those roots with that community while helping to develop women that hopefully will continue to go out and change the world. Awesome. awesome. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's dope. I love that. And I mean, that's the, I love that you, the, the self-discovery of being an empath and helping women coming to their own in this regard. Me, myself, I'm trying to be a better empath because I had years of being a damaged hurt boy where I was not. And now I'm like in this middle ground where I'm like letting that go and being a better empath. But I'm in this middle ground where I'm like, hey, you need to get your life together, you moron. What are you doing? Like, And so there's a middle ground. I'm trying to walk the line and get to the good side of things. But I want to talk about because because you touched on really building these women up, releasing them into society so they can go kick ass and take names, not necessarily in that order. And that's a really big thing. And navigating body image and how you're being portrayed and the product that is you, but also separating that. um, It's such murky waters to navigate. But there's a point with like, let's talk about modeling and that umbrella, because in your time in the modeling industry, have you seen that there's been a big shift as far as acceptable body image? And do you think it's going in a better direction now with all the different types of body types that you listed off earlier? But do you feel like that was being upheld by the modeling industry? I know people talk about like, you know, like Tyra Banks and everything. She kind of didn't really do much for women. She was just very like, yeah, you're too fat to do this. And it's like, 
hey man, wouldn't it have been cool if you'd have been like, well, maybe we can find someplace else for her and like her body's good in this regard. And just, it seems like there was a whole line of the old guard of just all these women upholding this status quo. Do you feel like that's changing now? And how quickly do you see it changing and where do you see it going? It's definitely changing. I think ironically enough with the whole generation of influencers, you have everyday people who are now getting the same opportunities that typically went to agency represented models. And so it makes the agencies have to work that much harder to understand the changing demographic. And on the one hand, I was a bit irked by the influence culture because they were taking jobs <laughs> like, bro, I, I used to get hired for that campaign. Now you just, you, they gave you free product. Okay. Okay, so I just don't pay my bills this month. That's fine, whatever. whatever. <laughs> but I understand the hustle. It changes. Everything changes. Everything has to adapt. So as far as body types and body images, you now have real people modeling divisions where they literally want the everyday person, whether they're young, old, slim, big, disabled, whatever, you know, non-binary. Oh, my freckles are like insanely <laughs> All I saw in casting were redheads and they were just loving the gingers, love my ginger people out there. So it, it's continuing to grow and, and all these, you know, body positive campaigns. I mean, speaking of the old guard, Victoria's Secret used to reign supreme. They were the definition, the Brazilian invasion, bombshells, perfect freaking bodies. I think they like filed for bankruptcy. They've been closing stores left and right. They just now started, or was that that I saw a campaign with real looking models. And I was like, hmm, okay, so now you wanna eat from that same to okay, I see you. So it's it's if you have a brand like Victoria's Secret realizing something needs to change, I think that's phenomenal. I mean, you had companies and entrepreneurs, a lot of women, who said, I wanna make a product that I feel good in. I want to see women that look like me wearing the product. And, and they just started these companies and they just started kicking ass and people took notice. And, and I love that. Um, I think the only thing that irks me is when casting and modeling choices are because a brand is trying to be woke and they're trying to show people, Oh my God, look how progressive we are. It's like the timing is a little murky that you decide to all of a sudden accept all these body types and that you don't care, you know, of whatever. So that's when I get a little suspect. It's all a marketing game for a lot of companies, but I think you can tell based on the consistency and the history of certain brands, which ones are actually authentic and serving their demographic and the ones who are just trying to survive and keep up with everybody else. So it's a double-edged sword, but I love the direction it's going in. I think it's never been more acceptable to be imperfect. It's dope, right? Sure. I mean, like, it's so wild how <laughs> for a while now people have been like, oh, look, we're, we have more plus size models. And it's like, hey, don't you think that's kind of fucked up to say? <laughs> like, do you really, you're just going to step over calling a human being plus size and be like, what? Like, dude, yeah. seriously, get a grip. So, I mean, it's, it's very exciting to see things going in the direction that they're going for sure. And it's very, very hopeful. And yeah, shut those Victoria's Secrets down. Who gives a shit, right? Like, so, um, uh, but on the side, then you keep going. And then you get yourself into the behind the scenes 
type of work behind the camera and you've been excelling and killing that as well. Um, that in and of itself is a completely different angle and a completely different dynamic. So where's your head at with that? And what is the juxtaposition and difference as far as like you being uh, a certain way and feeling a certain way about yourself and carrying yourself a certain way in front of the camera? And then that behind the camera, you know, what's happening in your head now that you're calling a lot of the shots and how do you interact with people? It's been a long time coming and everything happens exactly in the order it's supposed to. And I was fortunate that by the time I decided to assume the mantle of filmmaker and director and, and be in these very prominent roles of leadership, that I had gone through the trenches and kind of worked through my, my demons, my self-confidence, my self-esteem, understanding my worth, knowing my worth and understanding that I don't have to apologize for being intelligent. I don't have to dumb down myself or just be the pretty girl who's just trying to get ahead. It's okay to be a boss and a boss bitch at that and just be completely unapologetic. And there was so much that I, I fell in love with myself all over again because I had gotten out of a very, very toxic relationship to where I didn't know who I was. And it was terrifying. And all of those past demons and traumas and depression and the suicidal thoughts, they all hit where I did not want to wake up. I was over everything. I just laid in bed and stopped eating. I mean, it got to a point where I, I was very scared. And when the pandemic hit and just the world was falling apart as far as we knew, I realized I had the gift of time because I had to stay at home and I, and I have no problem. Not a person who gets lonely, actually. It's, it's very strange to say that, but I, I like solitude. I'm as comfortable in a room full of tons of people as I am with my own thoughts. And so I use that to my advantage to really work on myself, heal myself, jump into my creativity. I started writing and having these stories that I had always wanted to tell, but I was always intimidated or I felt like, you know, I didn't go to school for film um, I started doing the indie film stuff a few years ago and getting comfortable and, and, but still felt like, Oh, I don't know if I can do that myself. I don't know if I'd be a good director. Like I work with tons of directors. I understand it, but is that for me or should I just kind of stay in my lane? So by the time I, I had really been on this path of healing and self-discovery and falling in love with myself. And I was just like, you know what, bitch, you got this. Like you're a good writer you're a pretty decent actress. You have a community of people who have been watching you do this industry for 20 plus years. Your brand is solid. Your reputation is legit. And a lot of people can't say that. Um, I don't burn bridges. I like to build them. And I love to keep the people I enjoy working with close to me. I don't want any room for anyone who is going to knock me off of my track or distract me. I'm not a jerk, but stay in the way of my business or tell me I can't do something or try to just put restrictions and it's going to get ugly and I'm going to be the last one left standing. So when I created my company, I just knew exactly what I wanted and I was not going to accept anything less from people I partner with. Even if it's actors, I have friends who are amazing actors. Guess what? They still audition for me because there's a standard that you set to say, hey, I recognize your potential. I wanna make sure that everybody wins on each project that I do. I want every project I work on to be something that blows people away or they're just like, wow, that's really the quality. Whoa, like, dang, if Dania's attached to a project, 
It's going to be good. I want that. And that's not an ego thing. It's a confidence thing where I know what I bring to the table. And I only want to be at tables with people who also are boss bitches and boss dudes and boss people. And so I was fortunate that by the time I started directing, I was okay with being like, hey, you did good. Like you actually, you killed that project. Like it was all you and you put everything together and you got this team and you managed it and you were comfortable. I've never been more comfortable in my life doing something that was so terrifying. And so there's a lot of satisfaction that it took me this long in my career to finally go, you know what? I can be a damn good director, not a good female director, a good director. And that's what I've been really committed to recently. In addition to still doing all the other stuff I do, because I get bored. I don't like routine, but um, the, the timing was perfect. Had I tried to be a director five, six years ago, I really don't think it would have worked out the way that it has now. So I'm thankful that it took the time that it needed to be properly cultivated and executed. And now I'm like guns blazing. I don't ask questions. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Beautiful. Um, in the subject, uh, as we begin to land the plane, as it were, of uh, mental health and when these industries, whichever hat you're wearing, when they're their most taxing, when it is the most stressful and when you really need to do the work on yourself and kind of decompress and, and, and look inward. What do you think support from friends and loved ones looked like in those moments for women in these industries? Like, what does it look like to be there in any in every sense of the word for these type of women? That's a wonderful question. I think you have to understand what it means to be a proactive member of a tribe. Hmm. It is a group effort to champion success for people because we don't do it alone, whether no matter what industry, but especially in the entertainment industry, it is a people driven like, uh, world. Hmm. Um, and whether you're an entrepreneur or you have a nine to five and then you're doing the entertainment thing on the side, there are people that have to be part of that tribe that understand the world that you're in, but who are also understanding enough to know the difference when you're venting and they just need to absorb mm -hmm. that energy from you mm -hmm. and not put it back onto you and then make you feel like you're doing things wrong or they're waiting to talk Active listening is a skill that so many people think they have and they do not. <laughs> no one is perfect. And so I think understanding what it means to actually just reach out to somebody and just be like, hey, what's going on? How are things with you? But knowing that you don't always have to take the floor back. It's just kind of being there for that person. Or um, if you know that they struggle with mental health and this one is, is kind of big for me, you don't have to keep asking me, are you okay? Are you, you weren't really, you didn't post lately. Like, are you, is something going on? There's such a thing as being a little too proactive. Cause then you make us feel like there is something wrong with us. We just want to be treated like everybody else. And if you cultivate a relationship with your tribe, you'll know the timing to have those conversations and how to kind of switch it up. If you're thinking like, okay, they might be cool, but I think 
something's going on. I need to investigate with their best intentions in mind. So being selfless, active listening, understanding um, that it's not about you. And, and a lot of people have a streak of narcissism. We all do to an extent, but knowing when to check that because it's, there's just so much going on in the world and you never know the weight that someone is carrying. And all it takes is one bad day for the house of cards to just fall down. So I think um, being very aware of energies, reading rooms, knowing your audience, knowing who you're talking to. If you know someone well enough, you should know their triggers or you should have an understanding of what traumas they've dealt with. You don't just go, okay, gotcha. And put it away. It never really goes away. There are things that are going to continue to, to come up in our lives and remind us of where we were. And a lot of times that's not a place where we want to stay. So being aware of someone's history and embracing it and continuing to champion them and just let them have their moment, but also knowing that it's okay if they want to be on their own. It's not a reflection of your friendship. If you know this, this, the bond that you have with a person, it shouldn't matter whether you're talking on every day or once a month or check in with each other on text that person will want you in their lives. They'll make it very clear. So that's my very long winded ass way of saying, just know when it's not about you and be there unconditionally for somebody. And it will mean a lot to them. And it can make the difference between life and death in a lot of, of cases, especially for this industry where we sign up to be rejected and we sign up to be judged and criticized and ridiculed and memed and gift and TikToked to death, <laughs> literally. So. Yeah. I love that. I Great love that. answer. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. That was the correct answer, turns out. Yeah. I looked at the cheat sheet. That was <laughs> I'm a bad test taker. So that's very uh, grounding. <laughs> yeah. That was actually the correct answer. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just being aware. I love that. That makes a lot of sense. So good. So good. Uh, ladies, do you have anything to say to Dania before we ride off into the sunset? I mean, I just applaud you for being, you know, open and vulnerable and, um, you know, talking about all the different areas of the industry that you come from. Um, you know, my industry is very different, but uh, being a woman in a man's industry can be uh, very, very daunting. And a lot of pressures are put on you and uncomfortable situations. So I applaud you for, you know, taking a stand and doing your own thing and creating an amazing business and being open with us today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Like it's, it's an industry, it's, it's, it can feast or famine, it can eat you alive if you don't have strong head on your shoulders. And I did it as a teenager for many, many years, and I applaud you for what you've pushed forward. I mean, you sound like an incredibly strong person. I mean, you're an actual mentor, like you care about these people. And I think that's really hard to come by in an entertainment industry where it's money, money, money. And like you said, you're selling yourself and these people are willing to give that away for almost nothing and those industries are very willing to take it mm. and uh it takes some real strength and i can see people really gravitating to you and um finding strength in what you've done so thank you i appreciate that and i've never felt more love from other women than i do now too we are living in an age where it actually is okay to compliment you know hey sis you know what i like there's this just 
cultivation of womanhood, whatever definition that is, whatever gender you identify with, but there's that sense of real community where we actually are trying to just advocate and champion each other. And it makes me want to cry sometimes because everyone needs to feel that sense of welcoming and that love from another person. So especially especially in the entertainment industry because it is so cutthroat so you know you you see the memes all the time of you know straighten a queen's crown don't Mm -hmm. take it away from her so you know and i think that's a perfect way to look at it and yeah it's it's so cutthroat so to really honor somebody who especially is in the same industry and just be like no you're doing great too and i'm not trying to take anything away from you there's plenty of room at the top. You don't have to scrape and step over people and murder people to get to the top. That's why the top is lonely because you've eliminated everybody. And it's like, I want to see people who I can give them high fives and daps. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of room for everyone at the top. And I want everyone who's there to be someone I get along with. So. Yeah, man. I mean, like, why, why don't we all just Love populate it. the mountain? What the hell is this nonsense with the top? I can get a real good view of the east side on this side of the mountain. You could have a dope ass house on the west side and guess what? We could be friends and I could go mess with your house too. And then we could go to our friend's house on the top and have a party there every night. And we could just inhabit yeah. this mountain. So like, yeah, man, like- Zillow. Zillow will be like, I don't know what to do. There's like so much value in all of this property. Exactly, man. So, I mean, I think it's so cool for women to build each other up, especially in the entertainment industry. Like you said, you know, don't take the tiara down, you know, straighten the crown. You got enough assholes who look exactly like me trying to shit on your parade in this industry. So it's just like, you don't need to be combating with each other. Take down the patriarchy. We could all do better, man. So like, don't make enemies of each other. Come together, team up. You're going to take over the world. Well, Dania, thank you so much for being so open, honest, and transparent with us. We appreciate you being on the podcast and being so cool. Um, uh, Why don't you let folks know where they can follow you online and what you got coming up? Branding is key. It's pretty consistent. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Dania Denise. Um, Runway Mill Productions is my production company, and that's on Instagram and Facebook at Runway Mill Productions. On Twitter as Runaway Mill. You can also find my coaching services at daniadee.com. Google me. I'm super Googleable. Dania Denise, and stuff will pop up, and you can pick and choose what you want. And I love to connect with people. Pick my brain. I love mentoring. I love answering questions. There is no competition. So I look forward to meeting some new friends. Hell yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow me at Miles Weber Joker on all the socials. You can follow Susan at Susan Thompson Haha on the socials. Heather runs the Mad Podcast Instagram account, so you can talk to her on there. Make sure you follow us for all the updates on the episodes and whatnot. Uh, and follow Broken Drift Productions and at AZ Banana Bros as well. That being said, thank you for watching and listening. And we'll see you next time, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Bye now. <laughs>